This is The Straight Dope, Episode 7, The Four Axioms of Shooting. I think there are four components that together make the shooter that you are. Four elements that we really can't separate when measuring the level of a shooter's ability as a whole. I'm going to address each of those four elements individually, but we cannot get suckered into thinking that each one represents a shooter's ability because that is not the case. And that's a major flaw of the systems that are out there right now, one that we'll discuss in a few minutes. Now, this podcast and these thoughts represent the culmination of years of shooting, having conversations with top shooters, reading essentially all the books available on shooting, and settling down on a few key books that have a lot of the best information in them. One book that I always circle back to is Accuracy and Precision for Long Range Shooting. And towards the beginning of that, Brian Litt says that in order to get better at hitting targets, we must understand what causes us to miss targets. Identifying the reasons for missing is the hard part. Once you know the specific cause of missing targets, you can apply focused effort to improve that weakness and you'll get more hits. It was after reading that that I changed my perspective on shooting. So let me go back and kind of touch on a story that I mentioned in episode one, but it's important because it's my story. My introduction to competitive shooting wasn't because I was a good shooter or had any experience with a bolt gun at all, really. I had tremendous levels of experience in all of the skills except for shooting that were essential for the Sniper Adventure Challenge, a competition that lasts a few days up in Wyoming, run by Competition Dynamics. And the guy who wanted me to be his partner needed me for those skill sets, and I could rely on his shooting. Great. But it's not my personality to do something and not be good at it. And like many people, I figured... I'd seen enough movies, I'd been around shooters, how hard could it really be? Well, afterwards I realized that really the skill set that I was lacking was the ability to shoot accurately and precisely at long ranges. So, like everything else that I've done in life, I've realized that there was a gap that needed to be filled, and I started to explore the options that were available to learn that, which included shooting a variety of disciplines and exploring the options that were available. And I thought those options were largely to be explored through competition. And I did that. After trying some competitions and realizing that there really was a niche gap in my abilities, I dove into precision rifle shooting by trying out PRS and NRL matches to figure out how to improve that skill set because there were so many good shooters that did that and I wanted to be like them. The thing is, I was an athlete. I am an athlete and a scientist, and I don't think the same way. I'm very goal-focused, and my interest didn't lie necessarily in performing within that discipline. It was to gain the skill sets and continue to gain skill sets as I discover weaknesses. So I developed a training plan and within my first 12 matches, was able to get a first place at a national level two-day match. That went with a handful of other trophies 
And according to the 2020 rankings that were done, um, culminating the various leagues that were out there, I averaged ninth place out of the six matches that I did. And to me, that represented gaining a level that was sufficient so that I could start exploring other opportunities within shooting. A lot of the experiments that I conducted were at matches because it's a great opportunity to go shoot a diverse course of fire in different settings that you're not used to and explore the capabilities of weapon systems. But unfortunately, in a competitive setting like that, it can be hard to do tests and it doesn't necessarily show you what you're looking for other than validate the fact that there are for sure specific calibers, rifle systems, rifle weights designed for those particular outlets. One of the reasons that the four axioms are important to me now are that there really aren't competitions out there designed to test the whole shooter. Rather, there are niche tests for very specific settings and styles, which can be fun and can be very interesting, but they don't really test holistically who the best shooters are. Now, I'm not saying don't go out and try competitions and have fun, but if you're looking to measure yourself, I think measuring yourself on your own, measuring metrics based on these four axioms is a much healthier and a much better representation of your ability as a shooter and the projected growth curve that you might have. I'm not saying don't go to matches for fun, but as a measure of shooter's ability right now, they just don't exist. So let's get back to those four axioms. First, I want to talk about a table in accuracy and precision for long-range shooting that discusses these parameters that are used in the weapon employment zone calculation that the axioms were born from. He uses win estimation, range estimation, rifle precision, and velocity consistency as parameters that he's able to determine hit probability using different calibers at different distances and to discuss each one in isolation. The reason I think that he isolated these four components is that really they're the four components that determine your ability to hit a target. So let's look at them the way I see them. Wind estimation, the first axiom. Nowadays with kestrels, you can get a good wind reading at your location. Now, I understand that the wind can be different downrange from where you are, and a lot of components can go into your ability to measure and understand what the wind's like for the bullet as it travels from the muzzle to the target. So I'm going to say that your ability to determine what the wind is, like Brian has listed in his table, is exceptional at the one mile an hour ability zone. If you can determine the wind to one mile an hour, you are in the very top rank of shooters. The medium zone is represented by plus or minus two and a half miles an hour and the low plus or minus four and a half miles an hour. Now you can test this by taking a target that's wider than your shooter bracket and shooting in wind and seeing where your bullet impacts. 
and adjusting your bracket accordingly to see how good you are. But you need to be able to record this. Also, really, your best information is going to come from your first shot. And a second shot to confirm that is going to confirm kind of your shooter bracket zone left and right. And so you're going to need to take data over many, many days at distance to determine your ability to guess the wind. And then you're going to have to believe the bullet. But recording this is fundamental in your progress as a shooter and the holistic approach that you need to determine where you need to work and what the lowest hanging fruit for progress might be. For a lot of shooters, it is wind estimation. And the farther that you shoot, the more important that particular skill set becomes. The next parameter, or the second axiom, is range estimation. The high confidence interval is plus or minus one yard. And you can achieve this with laser range finders. Now, I'm not going to get into a debate about reticle ranging and so on, but because we're ranging with lasers for the most part and we have access to them, right now I'm going to discuss the use of laser range finders. And in particular, I want to talk about having messed around with two laser range finder binoculars that I really like and have been testing for the last few months extensively. I mentioned doing a test with the Vortex Fury 5000s and comparing those against the SIG Kilo 3000s. Now, for full disclosure, I won both of them, although I won the Vortex a few years ago and I won the SIG Kilos last year, so I've only been testing those for the last six months or so. At first, what I noticed is that the Vortex ranges incredibly fast, which means it's probably got a strong laser and a fast processor. One thing that I'd gotten used to was ranging the ground in front of a target, beside it, behind it, and then trying to figure out which number really was the target itself. Because it ranges so quickly, you're able to bounce that signal all over and around the target, but you need to get pretty adept at figuring out which reading the target might be. With the SIG, I was always pinging the target, but I had trouble pinging the, round, the ground around it, and that made me feel uneasy. Over the course of a few months and several competitions, what I noticed was I never got a false reading from the SIG, and it's been slowly retraining me not to be nervous about that, but rather get comfortable with the idea that I'll get an accurate reading from that, just like I can from the Vortex, but with the Vortex, I have to do a little bit of problem solving, whereas the SIG seems to always bounce back just the range that I need. There are two techniques with two different lasers that both provide the same result. I can't really say anything negative about either one. What I can say, though, is that I've messed around a little bit with the 10Ks, and the 10Ks have some features that I think are remarkable. And probably the best feature in those is to be able to collimate the laser. When you have a laser rangefinder, the laser and the signal is strongest at a specific spot out there. And there are reticles, but they don't always necessarily line up to the center of that reticle. And a lot of people mess around and do tests to figure out where the strongest part of the beam is so that when they're shooting out to range something, they kind of know where they need to hold it in order to ping the right signal. With the SIG 10Ks, you can plug it into your computer and actually tune it so that it's where you want it to be. And so that, that way, you can actually know exactly where to hold it. 
and it can be centered up and much more reliable. I think that's a pretty cool feature. Both of them have the ability to have a B in them or some sort of a ballistic solver. I'm not a big fan of that at this point because in reality, and what we're going to discuss down the road is we need to assess all of these together at once and your ability to access all of that information at once. And if you're shooting a single target, I think it's great. You range it, gives you a range, tells you your dope. You can run from there. Problem is, a lot of times we find ourselves with multiple targets, and those multiple targets have to be recorded. And if you're recording the distance and the dope, you're writing down several pieces of information, whereas if you've got a hard data card and you range it, all you have to do is underline it and go, number it and go. And so with a hard data card and a range finder, you can be faster at this point than you can with all the fancy software that's plugged into some of these things. The exception to that is the Garmin watch that links to it that you can develop a range card while you're ranging and then just ping it off your watch and have the sequence of targets that you've ranged show up on your watch and that you don't need to write down anything. The problem is the cost of entry for that is a little bit too high and I'm not going to go out and buy that just to experiment with it. So I trust that the people that have it like it. I think it's too expensive and it won't be too long before competitors come out with better solutions that work great. Although I think it probably works great. It's just too expensive. And I get a little frustrated with the self-licking ice cream cone style economy of some of the precision rifle world. So at this point, I think you just want those laser range finders to ping you back the distance and you're better off running with hard data. For precision, some things have changed from the book to the present in terms of the way I like to deal with it. I like to deal with a shooting scenario by first addressing a shooter as if the position and the distance were going to be unknown. And the reason for this is that you never know what the position might be that you're going to encounter. And so you want to know your holistic skill level in all positions and Rifle craft and the craft drill does that. It gives you a number that represents your unknown position skill level. And that is often humbling and much larger than a lot of shooters want or will accept because their rifle systems shoot much, much better than they do when put together into all four positions. On the other hand, it's reality. And I'm a big fan of accepting reality, making a goal of where you would like to be, and working towards linking those two things up. And the only way to do that is to start by accepting where we are and working towards improving that. Rifle precision has a huge influence on your ability to hit a target. A lot of effort is put into people writing all sorts of garbage online about improving the accuracy of their rifles, and not a lot of effort is put into actually improving their shooting. I think that the landscape of shooting right now represents a massive landmine. And one of the best ways to avoid that minefield of all sorts of problems is to focus on these four axioms and ignore the rest of it. If you focus on your fundamentals and you bring your fundamental shooting towards that one MOA level, you will have more hits 
and more success as a shooter than bringing your load from a half MOA to a quarter MOA or bringing those SDs from seven to four. Most shooters are missing because of their fundamentals and their ability to shoot accurately and precisely. And I can prove that to you by showing you the numbers on rifle craft. The sooner people accept that, the faster they're going to improve. It worked for me. And I've helped other shooters do the exact same thing that I did. But it starts with accepting that the weakest link in the chain is us as shooters. So that's the third axiom. The fourth axiom is accepting that external ballistics are real and that we can argue over all the different sub cartridges and cases and so on and so forth that are out there on the market. Or we could accept that external ballistics rule and that you can calculate the ultimate hit percentage by looking at the numbers and having accurate inputs and outputs. And I think Ryan Hayes said it best, is that if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. We've got tremendous ballistic calculators available for on your iPhone, apps, Kestrels, all sorts of things. We've got the ability to measure our loads with chronographs that have extremely precise measurements, but we need to have that data confirmed and that data needs to be data that we can trust and rely on by shooting it over multiple days, multiple ranges, and ideally multiple locations and environments. Once we confirm that data, we can rely on it and get back to working on the weakest link, which for most of us, is our fundamentals, which is rifle craft. Once our abilities get to that one MOA zone, then the biggest, the weakest link in the chain is probably going to be wind estimation until Doppler and laser wind meters are going to be on the market for civilians like us. So the four axioms, wind, range, rifle craft, external ballistics, we need to have total control over those elements and in a balanced way be able to use them however we plan to. The thing is, when we test a shooter as a whole, it has to test their ability to access all four on the clock, in the moment, in a blind scenario, under any position. And that's where all of the standard measures seem to fall apart. And what I'm going to propose is that we just say, screw it. Measure your ability on your own terms and progress them as a whole. And there really won't be anything that you can't do. But when you focus externally, you know, it's kind of like being materialistic. And we get greedy and we want to know what everybody else is up to. And you get sucked into a rabbit hole that not only costs you time and money, but it gets you nowhere closer to your goals. This says, screw all that. Let's focus on our goals. And the way to do that is to address these four principles. And largely, two of them are taken care of by technology. So we can focus on the other two, which are your fundamentals measured on paper at 100 and your ability to, to read wind. Set a goal and work towards a baseline that you mark as the minimum level to achieve that goal and then go test it. But when you test it, 
make sure that that test represents on the clock blind with no help from anyone else your ability to access all four on the clock blind because that really represents your ability as a holistic shooter not just your ability to print a small group on paper if you focus on nothing but these four axioms and set future goals and benchmarks that represent entry and, and, and satisfactory levels of shooting accomplishment that these fit into, I guarantee it'll be cheaper, faster, and you'll be much more excited about your shooting. And if you've been following along with all the episodes, you'll notice that this really does fit into the challenge that we proposed in the last episode in which I had everyone have their equipment stowed, data accessible, and you measure your ability to unpack locate, range, and engage, and then pack your equipment back up. Because part of that would be your ability to determine wind, range, get on target, and understand and have access to the external ballistic data that you would need to hit that target. Pack your stuff up and go. If we isolate any of that, it starts to get a little bit screwy, and it doesn't really test the whole shooter. And because the community is so tiny in the competitive circuit, it's really not a good measure of that to begin with. Having said that, though, I personally feel that the way to grow shooting as a whole is to focus on the sport aspect. I don't think, at least in my opinion, that growing the hunting and, and other aspects is going to do as much as the potential of growing a professional, healthy, well-rounded, competitive discipline would be for shooting. I just think that that outlet hasn't been developed yet. And we can do that if we start locally and slowly grow those holistic-style competitions into something that's healthy and a good, well-balanced measure of a shooter's ability. Doing the Rifle Craft Challenge and measuring your capabilities in these four axioms is a very good start. Going to local one-day matches and trying to grow a community of like-minded shooters that can create good measurements and assessments of the four axioms is where it's going to come out of. But However long that takes depends on growing the number of shooters that want to do that. And until then, there really just aren't good outlets for measuring that stuff other than your ability to do it on your own, which is why I encourage everybody to record your growth and progress in these areas because in doing that, you'll be able to accomplish the goals that you set for yourself. Where you start is going to riflecraft.com and recording your targets and recording that data. There's note section for you to put in wind data and anything that you need. It's free. One thing that cracks me up a little bit is that people like to distract themselves with everything but the work that actually will make them better. This is a target and a system that's free and available for everybody to use. You have the option of subscribing to support it. But the funny thing is that it would be the amount of buying me a few beers every month. It's not a tremendous amount, and it goes towards pushing and continuing those things. But, but again, you don't have to. And I want to reinforce the idea 
that the work you put in towards your skills, you'll you'll see the benefits from. But the work that you put in to distract from and do everything but the actual shooting is only going to push you farther from the goals and reinforce that patterns and habits of self-distraction. So if you don't want to support it, great, don't. But I do encourage you to use it because you should put the energy towards a positive goal like shooting better, not putting your energy towards a negative goal, which is just trying to undermine something that already exists. That's my two cents. Support it if you like. And other ways to support it that cost you absolutely nothing are liking, listening, and sharing. And if you don't like this, I still appreciate you taking the time to listen and get this far into the podcast. It means a lot. But for this to continue down the road, it definitely takes a little bit of support. And so supporting through Riflecraft is one way that you can do that and help push this project forward. The fruits of which we won't see until you guys start saying that this is what helped you get better. Just like Riflecraft helped other people get better, I think this podcast will help even more. And when that happens and the population gets to be large enough to sustain healthy and holistic competitive shooting, I think that is going to be what revitalizes the sport. But that's yet to be seen. Thanks for listening.